this is uh, so, so cool. There are so many faces here that I have resonated with for many, many years because I'm 23. That feels like a... My wife wasn't meant to laugh at that. Um, it's so good to be here, guys. What I want to do is get straight into it. I'm told that you finish at 11, so we've got 30 seconds. <laughs> let's, uh, let's crack into it. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to wink at Dan. I just need some water. Uh, <laughs> now... Can we, uh, I don't have a clicker, so the first slide, I just want to introduce what we're going to be doing today, and then uh, we'll go straight into it. I know we've been praying a lot. Can I ask that we pray one more time? I think one of the cool things was that the disciples, what did the disciples see Jesus do more than anything else, do you reckon? Heal people, walk around. I think it's actually praying, praying to God. The whole interaction between Him and the Father, I believe, is one of the things that the disciples saw of Jesus more than anything else. So, uh I'm going to ask that we pray before we play as well. Father, I thank you for today's opportunity to glorify your name. And uh, as Dan, sorry, as Nathan has said, that uh, it's not my words. God, I pray that this would be an encouragement to all of us here, that it'll be a practice of representing you to our communi uh, communities, to the people around us, to each other, to our family. Father, I pray that we ultimately make you bigger in the sight of others, that Jesus, it'll be about you, that we make much of you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Nathan asked me to preach about uh, worship lifestyle, which I'm going to call practicing the presence of God. And there's a few things I want to walk through as we get there. The next uh, slide, sorry, I'm going to try not to do Tinkerbell says, but here we go. What I want to do is introduce very quickly why I have a picture of Mondrian. Does anyone know who Mondrian is? Brilliant. Mondrian is an artist who was uh, working around the 1900s, 1920 in this sort of case, or it could be 1915, where he uh, developed this really cool picture of pure abstraction. But for me, I need visual representation to understand a lot of the things that the Bible talks about. And if you have your Bible today, I want to talk about, uh, I want to look at straight away, Matthew 22:34. Has anyone got a Bible with them? Does anyone do that anymore? Like, I was at a kids' camp recently, and they, uh, they actually said to the kids, no tech, no tech, no iPad, no phone, no nothing. They all had a physical Bible, and they had to literally look for all the scriptures that I, uh, I talked about. Oh, it was so good. All right, here we go from Matthew 22, 34. When, but when the Pharisees heard that he, that is Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I want to talk about the art of loving God. The whole concept of what we're created for, to absolutely magnify devote ourselves to and celebrate who God is. And Jesus talks about how the whole summary, it's really simple. If you want to have a look at what it is that we're here walking around on earth to do, it's to glorify God. And as a result of that, we then love others as well as a further expression of that love to God. And so it really makes sense when you have a look at uh, the end of one of the Gospels, where it says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and, and so on. Because it's part of that loving people that we don't want to see them 
out of sync with God. We want to introduce them and have them be introduced to Jesus so they can live a life full of freedom. Now, why this? For me, this was the picture that came to me when I was actually trying to understand this love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also loving others. The cool thing with this painting is that it's constructed with a couple of simple lines and a couple of simple shapes with just a few colors. And I wanted to summarize how I could mentally like, approach a lifestyle of loving God all the time. The vertical lines are the relationship between us and God and the horizontal lines between us and others. And the cool thing that no matter what you try to do, how you construct this, always the definition of a vertical line and a horizontal line coupled together creates an identifiable shape. In this case, a rectangle. It's actually a square, but I cut it off. And that every time that you have these relationships put together, it also defines those around you. Every single one of these shapes has its identity based on those relationships, loving God, loving others. And the cool thing is that they're all different, different sizes, different colors. They all have a different sense of self. And it's the same with us, that we are identified. Our identity comes from the relationship that we have between us and the Father and others. To summarize this, I always thought of the three things. I know some of you have heard me talk about this. Uh, creator first. Everything that we do, relationship first, is between us and a creator God. And it's only in that relationship do we have pure joy and freedom of identity. And I know sometimes we get this concept that, but isn't church about rules and doing the right thing and wearing a collar when you preach and doing all sorts of crazy things? You know, like, actually, no, it's, it's more about the freedom to exist without the worry that you have to earn and make and do to earn favor. Rather, it's a, it's a, it's a freedom to exist. It's a freedom to acknowledge. It's a freedom of breath that allows you to show freedom to others. It's like opposite land. I always think of it like Dr. Zeus. The community between us and others is the expression of the love we have for God. And finally, craft, loving others like we love ourselves, whatever we put our hand to becomes the expression that we use to glorify God and to love others with. So it could be as simple as things gathering, to, like us gathering together, singing, playing an instrument, uh, if you have a particular art bent or even doing the mundane. Everything becomes an expression of glorifying God. But let's move on. The thing that I actually uh, dug around in, I wanted to understand a little bit more about what it was that Jesus was talking or referring to when he was talking about how soul and understanding. In actual fact, the words in direct translation have a lot to do with the way that the body works. So the heart, we kind of think about that pulse that we think, oh, I love that person. It's like a love kind of uh, association. But in actual fact, their understanding of what the heart was about was more to do with, and I've written it down, more to do with a mental constitution and, hang on, disposition. Yeah, I, I won't wear the other glasses. It's actually to do with, with like that, Probably the best way to explain it is like when you see something exciting or someone that excites you, your heart kind of beats a bit faster. You feel it in your chest. 
And God was talking, Jesus was talking about how, okay, love God with all your heart. That sense of anticipation, that sense of excitement that, oh my goodness, I'm going to hang out or see that person again. That's the trigger that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about your soul, which when direct translate is the air that we breathe. The thing that lifts our lungs, the breath that we draw in, that becomes one with us and then we breathe out. Jesus is talking about a complete system. Your understanding is that whole understanding, the registration, the cognitive uh, chewing through, and the, uh, the, 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 mind, the mindness, processing of who God is, understanding. And so he's talking about a complete system of self fully devoted to God. And this is the thing that I, I have a bit of, welcome, come on in. I have a bit of a struggle with, and it's not a struggle or a problem with, it's more like, how do I understand this? How do I do this? Because if you were to say, love your, uh, love your enemies, my heart doesn't get excited about that. Right? Or, uh, you know, love God in a, in a really tough situation, got to pay bills, or you're having just a rough week. How do you, how do you have an excitement for loving God through situations that are just unpleasant and difficult to navigate through. How does that happen? Well, I have a theory, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But the idea of what I want to sort of look at is that it's a self. It's a whole complete self-motivation to love God with everything. I don't, I'm just trying to give any kind of... There we go. Now... Uh, there's something that I just, this is a side note, a footnote. I've literally drawn a foot with a note. That is, I want to actually probably clarify one thing that uh, really resonated with me recently from uh, an, an excellent book, is what God are we worshipping? It's very, I think, critical to have a very scriptural context of who God is. It's very easy to have a culturally identifiable God. That is, oh, God wouldn't do that. Or God loves me because, you know, because he understands me. Or, you know, God, God has a, a this or that approach. If we start identifying God or shaping God in a cultural image, but not scriptural, it actually is constructing an image that we make for ourselves. God's going to heal me, and he does want to heal you. But uh, God, if I don't get what I need today, you know, we're going to have a bit of an issue with our relationship. I mean, is, is it scriptural or is it cultural that our identity of God exists on? Because it's very important to understand that uh, if it's cultural, you're going to burn out. You're going to find that your God will not meet your needs. You'll find that it's self that is the motivating factor for what you want to get from God. Who's ever seen those uh, seven steps or those seven levels of mastery on YouTube? You know, if you want to be a drummer, this is the first level. Then the next level gets more complicated. Who's, who's with me on that? Yeah, good work. All right. It doesn't have to be drums, right? I, I, I don't know why. I chose drums because it's the lowest common denominator. Uh, just, all right, just a bit of comfort. Love, love others. All right, I'm still practicing. I'll get to that in a sec. The idea of uh, levels of mastery. Now, when I first became uh, a Christian, I, I had my, my Christmas list, my McJesus list. Jesus, I'd like, uh, uh, I'd like some healing. I'd like some good situations. Find me a park at Woolies. Please make sure that uh, I get to you know, wear something I like and I want to buy this and a side of fries. So the idea of having God meet my needs. And when that didn't always happen, 
I, I was really disappointed. My image of God not being my provider and my self-fulfilling prophecy just started falling flat. And, and I've been challenged a lot more recently on the idea that what am I asking for? I mean, what am I really asking God for? Am I having a, a complete set of lists and desires? If He knows my heart and I'm resonating with Him, do I need to ask? Can I just, at the level 10, just celebrate God? Just celebrate God. Hard week, tough, emotionally down, things aren't working together, celebrate God. And, and I will believe that He'll give me what is necessary and equipped to walk through the situation. So then gratitude becomes my level 10 worship. My Christmas list sort of gets out of the way. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't ask God for things. No, not at all. He has a heart to see and meet our needs. But I want to start with the end result in mind so that when I'm praying for others, and when I'm asking for healing, when I'm uh, maybe... Uh, augmenting my faith with someone else, I will see miracles happen with other people in their lives too. Praying for the needy, praying for the lost. Oh my goodness, absolutely. But I will celebrate first, level 10. You know, I'm, I'm spoiling where I'm getting to. So uh, so going back one, sorry, I, that was really good though. Uh, going forward. To, so the thing is that uh, it's very, it's very, this is the one thing that I've been thinking about. If I have a concept of God or an image of what I, or who I think God is, is it based on me reading the Scripture? Or is it based on what I hear other people talk about or my emotional feelings and thoughts? The thought is, this is the Word of God. Therefore, that's where I will find God, the identity of who He is. Jesus being the ultimate um, image of who God is, that's where I get my, my place. That's where I get my picture of who I'm worshipping. But the thing is, is what is worship? And uh, once we establish that, okay, God of the Bible is who I'm directing and focusing my attention to, and through that becomes an expression uh, to others in love and adoration and glory, then I want to have a look at, well, what is it that I do? So the next uh, scripture I want to have a look at is from John 4. I'll summarize kind of real quick because I know that uh, it's now quarter past 11, so we've been doing this for ages. John 4, just work. All right, it's where Jesus uh, meets the woman at the well. And uh, all of the the social implications and the the weirdness, I think, uh, have a look at yourself if you're not too aware of what's going on. But the idea that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman is kind of like a bit iffy, a bit strange. But the thing that I want to point out in John 4 is uh, where Jesus, the lady actually directs the conversation kind of away from her situation and tries to deflect and say, well, look, hey, we're Samaritans. We believe that we should be worshiping Jesus, or sorry, not Jesus, the, the new guy somewhere else. And, but you, you Jews reckon we should be uh, worshiping God in Jerusalem. Now, where's the place? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not going to be a place anymore. He introduces himself and says it's going to be through a person, me, Jesus Christ. And then he says that Jesus, uh, sorry, God is actually looking for a particular type of worship. And that is, I can't read this. That is, uh, God seeks those who worship him in spirit and truth. Now, I, I've always had a bit of a, a sort of, what does that actually mean? If I can quantify that, make that make sense. 
And there was two kind of approaches that I've read that scholars take the spirit and truth. Spirit, kind of the uh, idea of that idea of yourself, you know, that whole, uh, uh, as long as you're, actually, I've written it down too. Your wholeness. Yeah, I was right. Uh, The wholeness of who you are, giving everything you've got, and the truth is your integrity. Being present when you're uh, you're worshiping God, spirit and truth. But I like one that uh, other people have said, whereas the spirit is that you can only worship God if you have the Holy Spirit. Like, God is revealed by the Holy Spirit revealing His truth to you. And the truth is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I love this idea that Jesus is looking for, or God the Father is looking for a specific kind of worship. That is, Holy Spirit from the heart, always directed towards Jesus. Always directed towards Jesus. If it gets sidetracked to something else, like yourself, or other things, that's not the kind of worship that God will accept. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I struggle. And I'm not struggling with that concept. I struggle with that whole me worshiping God in spirit and truth. Because I'm always trying to navigate away from Jesus back onto my own needs. But I love this idea, spirit and truth. Which means that there is one way that Jesus accepts worship, but there are many expressions of that. Many expressions of that. Now, just take a bit of a mental pause. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is your complete self, the whole internal aspect of who you are. And when you become one in Christ, when you accept Jesus as being Lord and Savior, that you have given yourself over to Him and say, yeah, I can't do this. I can't work at trying to earn God's favor. Jesus, I believe that you took that price. And then... You become one in in Christ. Holy Spirit dwells in you and then starts directing attention to to who God is. Do I not wait for a sec? Do I not make that? No one sees that. Guys, this way. Internal internal speaking, stop. Um, The idea is then to actually make sure that our whole being is centered and anchored to God. But there are so many expressions of that. And this is where I want to start going into because I need to understand what I have to do. Not have to do, but how do I worship God? How do I love God? When you look at the Old Testament uh, definitions of worship in general, there is a lot of talk about it being a heart response. There are some real nerd uh, words that you can check out. And particularly in the New Testament, other word nerds as well. And they all have to do with when worship is used in our New Testament, it's always to do with a heart response or a service attitude. It's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. You know when whoever, I don't know if it does anymore, but you know when you get that tap on the knee and you can't help but it just kicks. Tap the knee, boom, off it goes. It's like that nerve reaction. The nerve reaction, the heart response to God is that worship, heart response, heartbeat. And when the Holy Spirit directs and, and reveals Christ to you more and more, it's that heartbeat response, reaction to God. It's funny how if we direct our attention to ourselves or to other things, you don't get that response. You get that kind of anticipation, maybe something good's going to happen, but you're deflated when it either happens or doesn't happen. But God never, ever uh, stops. He never has that moment. It's always a continual want to glorify Him, want to uh, uh, 
See with him. I'm getting off track. So Holy Spirit, many expressions. I know uh, you can take this you can t- and leave it what I'm about to, uh, to think about. But I'm trying to change my language in terms of how I use the word worship. Because I know we often use word worship for describing uh, songs or the song time or a moment in church gathering. That's legit. That's, that's true. That's part of uh, the definition. But it's a part of a, a piece of a puzzle or part of a puzzle. It's one aspect, one piece that by itself doesn't actually give us the whole picture doesn't kind of represent the whole existence. And so I'm trying to change what I say in terms of worship time because mentally I don't want to go on Monday morning and think I've had my worship time. I want to think of this is just another piece of my puzzle. And if you're, uh, um, I was going to say old enough, I'm going to say it. You remember there was a time that we didn't call it worship time. Do you, do you remember we used to call it the praise time or uh, the songs, we used to have a different name for it, and it sort of shaped and, and became something more. I've got a whole theory on this. I've read a lot about this. But it's like, as Nathan said, those words will fall flat. Let's keep it. We'll just keep much of Jesus for now. Expressions of worship are so much more. This is so important. But what we want to do is think about how whatever we put our hand to now becomes the expression of of worship, that heart response, that desire to want to bring other people into an awareness of who Jesus is. So uh, what's my next slide? I can't remember what it is. Yeah, that's the one I was going to delete. Sorry, next one. So what happens, right, is that your worship location is actually dependent on the fact that the Holy Spirit is indwelt within you. As soon as you are one in Christ, Holy Spirit equipped, you become the temple of God which therefore means that wherever your feet are is the temple of God. It is actually where your worship location is. Tomorrow morning, go to work, go to school. There's your worship location. You're bringing the cool thing. You're bringing Jesus to other people. You're bringing people to the situation. Are you bringing yourself, God, the Holy Spirit, to wherever you are at? And so what it means then is that your opportunity for expressing God's love or love to God is right there in front of you. Uh, I haven't got to my point yet, but uh, let's move on for a sec. So your worship location, wherever your shoes are at. But the worship lifestyle, and this is what I really want to uh, to talk about, and I think we're going to nail it on on 11 o'clock, is how do you cultivate and practice a worship lifestyle? lifestyle, understanding God is the reason, the focus, and the direction. Others are an expression of that using whatever I have my hands uh, to. So next slide. Colossians 3, where Paul actually talks about, I think, a really good outline on what the worship, sorry, multitasking words work, things Okay, uh, sorry, Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, so if those people, us who have accepted Jesus Christ in our, in our lives, that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit, seek the things that are above where Christ is. It's all about your attention. It's all about your focus. It's all about paradigm. Romans 12, uh, that is, you know, like change your mind. Get your mind into the things of God. By the way, worship is about uh, serving in that one. 
All right, so here we go. Sorry, I'll read that again. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's setting your heart and your mind on the things of God, not on the things that are in front of you. The things in front of us are distractions. All right, the, we live in an affluent world. Uh, this third world country, Adelaide, not third world country, <laughs> first world country. We live in good times, no matter how much uh, the things around us are annoying and frustrating and sometimes difficult. But uh, I, I had a huge revelation when I went to Papua New Guinea a few years ago where the guys who were at, uh, on the island where I was, I was at would come out in their best T-shirts because they wanted to wear their best for the, the pastors and stuff that were becoming. And they had holes in their T-shirts, ripped pants. Uh, they had a collection of three T-shirts, one pair of shoes, and no electricity. And these guys were like tearfully celebrating God, saying, we are so lucky, we are so lucky. I... I struggled when I came back to Australia because of all the noise, the, the, the physical noise, but also just the mental noise of internet, phone, requirements, this, this, that, and that. The more I had, the more I realized that I had far less than what the guys in Papua New Guinea had. Uh, it, took me, it took me a number of months to get back to uh, an awareness of, of, oh, this is meant to be my normal. I think an awareness of God is key, keeping our eyes focused on Him. But how do you do that? How do you do that? And this is uh, my thought. Did you just, just, I don't even look, practice. The idea of practicing anything, as a musician, I know that uh, to, to get sort of fluent on my instrument, I need to continue to, uh, to practice or repeat certain things. But I believe practice is actually a little bit more specific than that. I actually think that practice is more the elimination that which hinders our fluency of expression. I should have written that up there, sorry. I believe practice is the elimination that hinders our fluency of expression. So as a musician, it's not practicing something to hopefully get good at it. It's identifying what you do poorly or which stops you from being able to be fluent in your expression. And as a Christian, as a person who is focusing on Christ, what is the one thing that hinders my fluency in glorifying God every day? Me. Self. The idea, and the Bible talks about this, is actually removing self so that Christ can be more. And then my fluency in glorifying Him will be more and more complete. So the idea of practice is, yeah, repeating targeting those specific things and attributes that allow me then to exercise fluency. So, for example, uh, Paul talks about you know, being compassionate. He also talks about the fruit of the Spirit, allowing all these things maybe to practice those things. Target someone in your life who is annoying. Target someone who is frustrating. Target someone who uh, you really just don't want to spend a lot of time with and practice compassion, practice like patience, practice love. And Practice is never complete. It's always an ongoing process. So you will not nail it all the time. But you'll never get good at it unless you practice. And then when you find, what is it that's triggering me about this person, this situation? Find out what that is and work to eliminate that so your fluency 
will be pure in the expression of glorifying God when you interact with someone. Incredible. It's really cool. Next one. And we're going to close. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. that. That misleads you. You probably think I'm going to go in like a minute or so, but that's not the case. This is nearly my last slide, but these are the things that I, this is my point of my message on how to live a worship lifestyle. This is the practice of normal, everyday things. The first one is uh, ironing. I actually don't iron, but for some reason, I always find that ironing is a symbol of being mundane or the mundane things that we do in our life. And I know that it's hard to think, but those mundane uh, parts in your life are opportunity just to praise God to celebrate who he is, to glorify his name. The mundane is the perfect opportunity because it's normally where we disconnect and start thinking about nothing. It's a good opportunity to start thinking, okay, this is just a time where I can think about words of of who God is. Uh, I call this one red light worship. You know, red lights are generally the, uh, the moment where we're frustrated because it stops us from getting somewhere. But maybe using red light as a chance to pause It's a forced pause where you think of who God is, glorify his name, celebrate who he is. Just those little moments. Because what it does is it redirects your attention away from your situation and fixes your eyes on God. Um, Creed Aventus. Yeah, I know, right? Could use some now. I'm trying to keep the pits close. Uh, This is actually more the fragrance or... Uh, the term used for when someone walks past you and they have a cologne and you smell the after effect of their presence having gone past is called sillage. A sillage is the, uh, the description of like when a boat goes through water and it leaves ripples and waves. That sillage is the cloud or that scent that is left when someone has walked past, but they're no longer there. And God has left his sillage, his scent, another way of thinking about it, his fingerprint on things all around us. And the idea of taking moments to recognize his fingerprints, which are just an echo of his true magnificence, allows us to then contemplate his complete magnificence. So looking at a sunset, uh, listening to kids laugh, um, smelling something beautiful, uh, the taste of something, all of these are little aspects, siages, little hints of something magnificent that God is. But it's only a taste. It's only a hint but keeps your eyes aware of who God is. Uh, Reading the Bible is an incredible way to actually get to know who God is. And it's so important. And I know when you crack open the Bible, it's like, oh goodness, it's either going to feel like homework or it just looks like, feel like you're going to read an encyclopedia. However, be aware that the Holy Spirit is with you. And it's the Holy Spirit whose work is to reveal who God is. And God can only be revealed, is, is seen in his word. Like, like jumping in, uh, there are some tricks and other things that I, I have, and I, we won't have time. But if you want to know, there are some ways in which you can just get into God's word. And there's tricks, tricks I guess, but practices, let's call them practices, that allow you to continue the process. Uh, anyway, I'll talk about it in a sec. Meeting together, church. Making sure that you're aware that you are not facing anything alone. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you, but you're meant to be doing it with other people. The cool thing about gathering together is it's like gym buddies. No one actually feels motivated to get up early in the morning to go to the gym unless they have someone who they feel they have to be accountable to. It's an added incentive, an added motivation. But it's also an accountability 
Be accountable to one another. Talk to each other. I'm struggling. This is driving me insane. I can't figure this out. What does this mean? I need someone to be able to talk to. Pray with each other. Those things help us keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Um, I, this one I know seems a little abstract. Chinese five spice. Um, the five senses. The five spices. I, this is one of my practices. I, I practice the five senses. That is, I will practice seeing something new every day. Something where I can look and gaze and will direct my focus to, to God. Whether it's the detail of a leaf or the sunrise or something beautiful. So my awareness of God and His awesomeness is forefront in my mind. Could be just the way someone speaks or re- like having a, a story revealed from, from a, a child that I teach or whatever. Um, touch. I, I like to feel stuff. Sometimes uh, not in an art gallery. Don't do it in an art gallery. But sometimes you just want to like touch something and get a sense of what it is, you know. Like, <laughs> but um, what a smell. I love smelling something amazing. It triggers an awareness that God created something beautiful. Uh, taste. I love good coffee. I love something that where I, I taste it. It's like a combination of ingredients, another expression of people expressing, sometimes whether they know it or not, their glory of God's creation. What's the other one? See, hear, touch, something. Smell? Did I say? I thought I said smell. Smell. Anyway, taste. To taste, hear, hear, hearing something amazing. Uh, I go for runs in the morning and I like to sit down and just listen to birds, particularly the ones where my cat is trying to like uh, chase. Uh, but just listen to the song or the sound and those senses. But also, what I do is I practice denying them every day. I will deny myself food. I will deny myself the taste so I can accentuate something else. I will deny myself something to see. I will close my eyes. I will deny myself each one of those senses so that I can emphasize an awareness of something else. So to enjoy and embrace and then to fast so that my awareness of God becomes complete. The last slide is my summary. Because I've always wondered, how do you rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all uh, circumstances? That God's will for us is to do these things. It's practice. It's having a gym partner. It's finding the detail and finding the small. It's the celebration when you interact with someone. It's targeting people in your life to practice patience and love, compassion. All of these things keep our eyes focused on God. And the true God, just like going to the level 10 where, God, I know you know my situation and this is not easy, but I just want to celebrate you. I trust you know my situation, that you're going to walk me through this problem, this, this task, this finance, this healing. And whether I see it or not, just like those three boys in uh, Judges going to the oven when they say to King Neb, look, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to you. If God is going to save us, he will. If not, it doesn't matter. We're still going to celebrate God first. And then they were thrown into the, uh, the furnace if I have to walk through the furnace, it doesn't matter. I will still celebrate God first. I want to achieve level 10 glorification of God. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Um, God, it, it's, 
you know it's not easy. Like, we're so distracted all the time. I mean, half of us were planning uh, what we're doing for today and tomorrow. Uh, look, even I was thinking of that sometimes when I was talking. God, I pray that your spirit will just realign us, redirect us to what is important. You being important, living a life that is fully embracing life, life in Christ, the freedom where we can celebrate you in all situations, rejoice often, pray with you. God, I think you're with us and that wherever our feet are planted, you are there. God, I pray that we confront our community with the image of Christ, that we are bold in the way that we celebrate you, that we are absolutely courageous when we talk about you and that we continually pray in everything, rejoicing and giving gratitude to who you are. I thank you for this amazing bunch of people and that they will go walking in freedom and confidence that you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Oh, can I, this isn't an ad, but the next one. <laughs> All right. uh, part of my church, I, I know some of you don't even know who I am, but um, my uh, pastors have uh, last year asked me to put together a 30-day worship journey. Now, the 30-day worship journey is a video every day. So I did a video with a full devotion on keeping your eyes on God. It's all different topics and themes and stuff. Uh, there's a devotional attached to it. Sometimes you just need a, you, you don't have to pay for it. It's free. It's a free gift to whoever uses it. But it allows you perhaps, if you're finding devotions really difficult, to uh, maybe get a bit of a kickstart, do it with someone else. And that way then you can watch the video, spend some time with God. I try to make it short. No video is more than four and a half minutes. And uh, it's just an exercise in practicing the presence of God. I'm doing another 30 videos this year on loving Jesus, passion of Jesus. So uh, anyway, if you want to ask any questions, I'll be here. And uh, again, thank you for this opportunity. Thanks, Nath.